0: God's Word. We've been talking about uh, the necessity as Christians, if we're growing up in Him, to be soaking in that Word. Uh, Since the beginning of January, we've been using the Dwell app as a way to be on pace with one another as we soak in the same scriptures day by day during the week. If you haven't downloaded the Dwell app, it's a beautiful uh, way uh, to be in God's Word. All kinds of playlists there. You can focus on different things. And the wonderful thing about those playlists is that you and a buddy or you and your home team or we as a church can be soaking in the same scriptures together. It can become a matter of conversation with one another as we build each other up. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. But not just my feet. Our feet. We've talked a lot about That inward journey by which the the word comes to shape who we are. But there's also an outward journey where that shaping starts shaping the life that we live outwardly towards one another. And the life that we have with one another, if it's shaped by the word, then our very fellowship becomes a word shaping of our lives. God didn't mean for the word just to shape our lives as individuals. He meant for the Word to shape our life together with one another. He meant it not only to transform our individual characters, but to transform the culture of who we are with one another. And if he can see that kind of change, that kind of Jesus fingerprint, not only in who we are as individuals, but in who we are as a church culture and how we relate to one another, if that comes to display... Who Jesus is if people can look at our fellowship and say look at how they love one another those are obviously Jesus's disciples well then that's infected not only who we affected not only who we are as individuals our character but also who we are in our culture with one another and that's the way the world overhears and sees that Jesus is authentically in this world See that those are disciples of mine. He said that in John 13, that it is in how we love one another, loving one another as He has loved us, that we distinctively show who He is in the world. This morning, I want to take us to kind of our theme verse that we haven't looked at in any depth. Uh, but it's been our theme verse all along in this series, and this is the last in this series. It's in Colossians chapter 3, and uh, I'll begin with verse 12, and I may be reading it several times today, and hopefully with each reading it'll become a a little more vivid to us, okay? Colossians 3, it's a familiar passage, it starts in verse 12, it goes this way, and so as those who have been chosen of God, that's where we've started already, holy and beloved, Put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Kind of sounds like the fruits of the Spirit, doesn't it? Bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone. Just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. It's amazing to me that even in the New Testament church, apparently there was a complaint box. And beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, in which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Here it is. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another, with psalms, and with hymns, and with spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Man, there's so much richness in that. It, it's, hard, it's hard to even dig into it with just one message, but I'm going to try this morning. In Colossians 3.12, I want you to notice something. Throughout this whole passage, uh, the you... Is a plural you now that only comes out in the Greek really that it's a plural you you know because in proper English we don't have a different word for you as an individual and for you as a group it's the same you I could talk to you or I could talk to you you with me but in the Greek it's a totally different word so you pick up on that nuance it's if ever it's talking about you as a group now, in the southern United States, we have a word for that. It's y'all, uh huh. And if we really want to get plural, we talk about all y'all, right? Now, 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 this this is the plural. This is the all y'all, okay. And if you if you listen to it in the plural, it reads entirely differently. He's really saying, "Let the word of God richly dwell." in y'all the context for this word richly dwelling is not just in us as individuals it's in us as people it's in us as community it's in us as family with one another let this word of god richly dwell and i had so often heard it in in the singular don't you let it richly dwell in me as a person We've been talking about that and how to soak in the word and how to make it a part of who we we are as an individual, but also the word is to be something that flavors our fellowship, our interaction, our dynamic with one another, who we are not just as a person, our character, but who we are as a people, our culture. So if we take Colossians 3.12, it's written in a, in a language that sometimes doesn't bring out that, that pluralness, unless you realize that when he's talking about us putting on the new self, which is what this whole chapter is about, uh, that he's actually talking about this dynamic of how we relate to one another. Let, let me read it slightly differently. Instead of putting on a heart of compassion, we might as well read and be compassionate with one another. Be kind to one another. Be humble toward one another. Be gentle with one another. Be patient with one another. And then it finally gets around to expressing it in those very terms. Bearing with one another. Forgiving one another. Just as Christ, uh, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Loving one another. Peace, how, how, piecing one another. Here's actually where, how it reads in verse 15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That's not let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts as individuals. That may be true, but that's not what this is saying here. It's saying let the peace of Christ rule in y'all. How many of you realize that often God puts His peace in someone else to minister to you? Now, we can think about God's peace as something that He just pours into us as individuals. But this isn't talking about peace coming to us as individuals, it's talking about the peace that flavors us as individuals because it lives in the us. It was an old timey revival years ago. And a little 12-year-old kid had been enlisted to pump the organ. You know, you remember those? Those kind that you had a baffle and you had to actually pump the air through the organ in order for it to be heard? Some may be aware of those old instruments and the way they were made like that. And someone had to pump the baffle while someone else was playing the piano. And they had just hired a special pianist or organist to come into town in order to play the piano for the revival. And he was a very dramatic person. He would lift his arms, you know, almost as if they were wings and come down on the keys. And it was just beautiful and it was dramatic. And people were so impressed with the organists that have been specially picked to come in town for the revival. And the little guy that was pumping the baffles looked around the corner and he said, Hey, mister, we're doing pretty good, aren't we? And, and, and the trained organist said, What do you mean We? And so the next time it came for the organist to start with this beautiful playing. His hands went up in the air like wings and they came down on the keys and there was absolutely no sound. And the little kid looked around the corner to the organist and he said, Say we, mister. Say we. Christianity is a we thing. It's a team sport, and and, and yes, we bring all that we are as individuals to it, but but the body, the the spirit moves not just in us as individuals, but among us. He's among us. The us, the we, the y'all is the inhabitation of the spirit, not just the individual soul. His church is that we. We. And too often as Americans, we experience the Spirit just in our prayer closets. And that's a place to experience Him, and that's a part of it as well. But but the Word was meant to be read. The Word was meant to shape us, not only as individuals, but as a people. It's a we thing. Even this matter of, of, of the peace... This just seems strange to me, given my American way of thinking. And let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. All right, great, great. To which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. What? What does the peace of Christ ruling in my heart have anything to do with the fact that I'm called to be a part of one body? Well, let me put it this way. God's peace often resides. I was having a rough day the other day and I called an old buddy. And I said, I, you know, I don't even need to talk right now. I'm sore tore up. I just, your word to me would not be important right now. It would not get through. I just know I'm in that kind of, a, you ever been in one of those kind of places? And I actually told him, I said, don't even bother to call me. Just pray for me. I'll talk to you tomorrow. I know this will pass. I've dealt with attacks of darkness before I, I, this will pass but i'll talk to you tomorrow don't even bother to call me right now it won't do any good <laughs> right but but i i needed the peace in him to remind me of the reality of of where i was i was reaching out to him you know why because we, we as individuals are like canoes you know if i deal with life as it comes to me as an individual it, it's like trying to stand up in a canoe Or it's like working a kayak. You know the little boats that are made for the individual person? Have you ever seen those guys in the kayak ever actually go under the water and actually come back up on the other side? Because those things are meant to spin like that in the water. That's who we are as individuals. But we weren't meant to get through the storms of life on the sea of life just as an individual. There's big wee boats called churches called my home team, called my fellowship, called my community. There's big we, but not we boats, W-E boats. And and you, you you can take on, if you were at a storm at sea, would you rather be in one of those big ocean liners or in a canoe? You can stand on those ocean liners and lean over the ropes on the side on the promenade deck until the The mist from the waves hits you in the face, and it's just a wonderful day at sea. That boat won't tip. Why? Because it's held in those waters by more than just the me. It's held in those waters by these huge ballasts in that ship that take on water in these big containers in order to keep it from turning in the ocean. Those ballasts hold it. I was once on a ship that the ballasts were broken. And that big ship just tossed to and fro. It was the most sickening, turn-in-your-face-green kind of experience I've ever experienced. It was awful. But we were meant to know the peace of Christ, not only in our own hearts as individuals, but because we, as a people, can reassure one another of the difficulty and the times that we're going through. Your peace was meant to bless me. It was meant to get me through. And that's why we turn to one another in tough times. That's why we don't go it alone. That's why we're in this struggle together, not just as a me, but as a we. The church is not just a collection of individuals. It's a y'all, right? And through this whole passage, this word richly dwelling in us. Translate it. It's not us as individuals. It's us as a community. So so let me read it to you again in the good southern vernacular so we hear it. Are you ready? And let the peace of Christ rule in y'all's hearts, to which y'all We're called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within y'all. With all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing with thankfulness in y'all's hearts, all y'all's hearts to God. And whatever y'all do, in word or in deed, Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks through him to God the Father. In the original language, it had that that sense about it that sometimes we can so easily dismiss or or miss out on altogether. This last week I was uh, in my home team on Thursday nights and Trevor and Laura were we're talking and we, we were just going around the group as many of us did in our home teams. That's how we do church here in this church is in smaller groups called home teams. And uh, we were just sharing our favorite verses. Those verses we talked about memorizing the word and internalizing it and making it a part of our heart. So I just asked, asked them, well, what are some of those verses that for you are those heart verses? You know them by heart, you don't have to even open a Bible. You don't have to have the written word with you. You, you like David, have hidden it in your heart. And it's, it's what, what are some of those verses that you've memorized or you didn't even realize you memorized them. They became a part of you. God galvanized them into who you are because they meant something to you when you were going through something that was a challenge. And we talked about those verses. And I started hearing about verses I didn't even know were in there. But they had meant something to Laura, and she'd been reading in Psalm 105, and it became an important verse to her that that Joseph, do you remember Joseph? The whole story of Joseph, how he was, how he, he was shackled in a prison, but later he became one of the administers of the uh, uh, the storehouses of Egypt. But he got there through... The prison and 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 how he was shackled in irons both around his wrists and around his neck and in psalm i think it was 105 she said it actually says that god formed his character to overcome the harshness and the difficulty of those irons by making his soul like iron and that just thrilled me i'd never seen that before i'd never heard that before that he was in iron shackles And yet God, while he was in shackles, built his soul to be stronger than the iron shackles that held him. And that started ministering to me. I was having a difficult week and a tough week, and in my usual fashion, I was whining to God about it. But what if God, each time he brought difficulty or challenge into your own life, you received it not as a a difficulty that was somehow holding you back or mistreating you, but is actually God's opportunity to make you as strong from the inside as that thing was opposing you on the outside. What if that is really what God's up to in each one of these challenges in this very difficult life that we sometimes share, is He's wanting us to get thirsty for Him so that His spirit, is what forms us from the outside. And if it was never dry on the outside, why would he ever go to that well to fill us from the inside? Are you with me? What if all life's difficulties were just that opportunity to God do something in us to overcome what's come against us? And I I started thinking on that and hearing her talk about that. And God put that word that I needed in the mouth of a sister to build me up, to give me hope. Ephesians 4 says that we are to grow up into the fullness of Christ. How? By all this one another, by speaking the truth to one another in love. And then that which every joint and member supplies builds up, Not just us as individuals, but builds us up as a body in love. It's not just what we do, it's what we become. When we let the word shape us, not just as individuals, but as a y'all. The word grows us up, it grounds us in truth. The body of Christ, our fellowship with one another, actually gives us a place not just to be those who are considerers of the Word. That's a word. Not just hearers of the Word, James says, who delude ourselves. Delude ourselves for what, I ask? Delude ourselves and think that the, the Word of God is really shaping our lives? Delude ourselves and think that that, that, that we're really letting God... L- live through us if we just consider his word in a moment of pri- private consideration or meditation or whatever but no that we are to become doers of the word is where do you become a doer well, let me ask the question maybe a little more vividly where where uh if the Bible tells us to love one another and forgive one another and admonish one another and to teach one another and to build one another up, where are you going to do all that one anothering without one another? 1 Corinthians 12 says that God has placed each and every one of us in the body just as it saw fit to him. And he doesn't see us necessarily as just a dream team of of superstars like we saw earlier. It actually says in 1 Corinthians 12 that the most important part of the body is the less seemly members. Why? Because when I'm broken, who shows up to minister to my brokenness? You do and vice versa and so the scripture actually says that the most important part of the body is not the more seemly members those that seem to have it all together those that seem to be doing well but ne- necessarily the more broken parts of us the less seemly members are important for the body because that's when in the need of one another that we really start flowing in the gifts of the spirit and the fruit of the spirit to nurture one another's life I was amazed and often noted back when I was a youth minister how God always put someone in a youth group to drive all the rest of us crazy. (laughs) It was that obnoxious kid, that extra grace required kid that always taught the rest of us in our youth group what it meant to really love and not just like each other. God grows us up. He puts the mature of us in our groups, in our home teams, in our youth groups so that we might be those through whom God ministers. He does something in us and through us because someone else is in need. God's Wisdom has always been to incarnate His Word in us. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. If if God thought it was best for His Word to take on flesh in Jesus, if it was necessary for God to be one of us and be among us in order for His life, listen, to, to shape life on life, someone else if that was integral to his plan then do you think it's changed or does God still let his word become incarnate in his people in order to shape his people in his likeness still life on life Jesus said something that has always really puzzled me in Luke 6 40 Well, let's just go there. Will you indulge me for a second? Here's a little puzzle. Luke 640. Jesus says this, and he's talking about his relationship with his disciples. He says, a pupil is not above his teacher, but everyone after he's been fully trained will know all that his teacher taught him. That's not what it says. Everyone, when they are fully trained, rather, will be like their teacher. That means people don't become what you say, they become like who you are. Back in those days, that's the way teaching happened. It didn't happen in a class with someone up at the front and everybody else sitting in desks. You did life with your teacher. You didn't just learn life from your teacher, you caught life from your teacher. It wasn't just a matter of concepts being transferred into someone's mind. It was a matter of a life being modeled, life on life. That's the way people were taught. And when we hear teaching sometimes, we just hear a matter of facts that like we read the word in order to know what's the right thing to say and believe alone. And not just the righteous way to live. See? The word shapes us in this life on life kind of laboratory that the church is supposed to be. Let the word of Christ richly dwell in all y'all. As you're loving each other, as you're admonishing each other, as you're building one another up, as you're forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you, all that is life being modeled. It's life being caught, maybe even more than it's being taught. Now, Jesus said that when the pupil is fully trained, They will be like their mentor. They will have become like them. Now that that is both a powerful thing and it's a scary thing. Because oftentimes we don't necessarily live what we speak. Do you know the other people in your home team are going to become like you more like now what if. What if there's no word involved in our fellowship? What if we're just a bunch of fleshly people hanging out with each other? That means that we're going to influence one another to be the least common denominator of what we are. That is a scary thing. In fact, when I first came to Tulsa to plant this church, another pastor told me me that was exactly true. That was the reason this church was going to fail. Because small groups don't work. Small groups are just a place where people get together and they become the least to the common denominator, and it's just going to be a little petri dish for the flesh to flourish. That's the way it had always worked out in the churches where he had pastored, and he warned me that this was going to be the death of this church if we just got together in small groups and admonished one another and built one another up in these little life cells. He tried to warn me. He thought, you don't dare do that. And he's got a point. If we get together as people, and it's just our conversation about the ball games and about whatever else happened this weekend and what the latest COVID policy is. If we get together and what's shaping us is just our words and not the word, we'll become just what each other is minus Christ. But the Word of God is supposed to shape who we are. Now, it's, it's 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 a principle that's powerful even amongst Christians and in Christian groups. It can take over. We can leave the Word out of it and just be formed by our words, our opinions. And that's not what God intends. He means for the seed of His Word to shape who we are as individuals and who we are as a culture from the inside out. Does that make sense? It's a dangerous thing if we're just mimicking one another. When when I was in school and in seminary, I, I, I would get concerned about my fellow students that would just mimic another minister that they so admired. I knew one guy that was so unsure of who he was that he would get in the pulpit when he would preach and he would just mimic, he would even sound like the professors that we taught he would sound like his favorite, he was mimicking their style rather than the word that was meant to be communicated, And that, that, even in good intention places. I remember John Eldridge is one of my favorites, one of my favorite writers. He's a, he's a men's guy, but he has a particular way of speaking, and I noticed that when he got together with his team, especially on his videos, that everyone else in his team talked exactly like him he has this way he's a very intellectual guy and so when he says a statement lots of times he finishes it as if it's a question it's just one of the quirks about who he is and the way he talks at the end of each one of his sentences as if though it's a statement he lifts it out there as, as if it's a question As if it's something that he wants you to consider. And this is the way it seems that he talks. And then in the video he starts talking to his other fellows in the ministry and lo and behold they talk the same way. They've been around him enough that each time when they finish a sentence all of a sudden it sounds like a question. Question. We shape each other. If you think it's not true, all you got to do is go to a high school. All you got to do is go to a high school, and all those people that hang together start to sound like each other. They start to walk like each other. They start to talk like each other. I don't know how it is in high school today, but because I know human nature, I know it must be much the same. All the cheerleaders just have a special way of talking. They're always so cheerful and want to lift you up. (laughs) (laughs) And there there was a way the football players would walk through the halls. Yeah. Versus the basketball players that were very bouncy. (laughs) Listen. This is both a good thing and a dangerous thing. You become like who you hang out with. So pick your fellowships carefully. Right? Now that doesn't mean we're not supposed to fellowship with people that are different than us. Absolutely, we are supposed to be light in a dark place. We are supposed to be influencers, not the influenced. We are to go where his voice is heard small. Where light is dim, yes, 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 yes. But in what shapes us, in those fellowships that shape who we are, those places where we share our hearts and we grow up together in Christ, you better pick some people that are farther along in the journey than you are to hang out with. I hope you're picking people that you don't just like their personalities, but you see in their personalities the marks of Jesus. Because it's only then that we are being shaped life on life, not just by our words, but by the living Word of God. That's why in our home teams we talk often about the Word of God and the Word that's been preached because we don't want to just be hearers that delude ourselves, we want to be people that put feet to our prayers, people who do what we believe, not just talk about what we believe. And community is often that place where the considering starts to become the living. We don't just pray about; we don't just think about what the word means. We pray for one another. We become part of one another's lives. We show up in each other's lives. When one of us is in need, the rest of us respond, and that's the beautiful thing about being the body of Christ with one another. It's also not just a place that Jesus's words about. Us becoming like who we hang out is not just a warning, it's also a promise. It's incredibly powerful. And so Jesus chose 12, not so they could show up in seminary or show up in a classroom. He chose 12 that they might be with him, with him, and that he might send them out. As the Father sent me, so I send you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Go shape the world as I've shaped you. There's all kinds of participles. I talked to Arden Autry last night. He shamed me that I wasn't in understanding the Greek better. But there's participles here. How do you let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts? How do you let the word of Christ richly dwell within you? With all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing, building each other up. And how do you do that? By, by, By the word. It's not just singing any song. It's singing psalms. It's singing the songs of David that are Scripture as they were originally in song. We talked about how we've already memorized much of the Word and much of the Christian teaching that we know is already in the songs that we sing. We've got it down word for word in the way it was passed along to us that we can pass it along to the next generation. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that it's in us. It shapes us. And when we sing it together, we believe it together, we live it together. That's what it means to let the Word of Christ richly dwell with us, with our teaching, with our admonishing one another and building each other up, with our songs and our hymns and our spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in y'all's hearts to God. I love what Dietrich Bonhoeffer said. It's on the next slide here. He says, let let him who cannot be alone beware of community. This This is something you ought to memorize and chew on. Let him who cannot be alone beware of community. Why? Because if the word isn't alive in you, if it's not shaping your own life, you'll become like whoever you're hanging out with, whoever they are. Let he who cannot be alone beware of community. If you're so concerned about other people's approval of you and not Christ's approval of you, if you don't know who you are, beware of who you hang out with, but also let him who is not in community beware of being alone. You can take a very long walk on a very short pier if you're not walking with a group of people who are being shaped by his word as well. Isolation is not a good thing. It's the kiss of the devil. Isolation, our own pride, isolates us from one another, and it's usually the strength of a brother that helps me restore. AA knows this. We are sanctified by sharing our lives with someone else who has overcome that sin that overcomes us. Our fellowships become like a splint on a broken leg in order to help it heal and mend. here's, Here's more, Bonhoeffer. He's so good. Listen to this. Help must come from the outside, and it has come and comes daily and anew in the word of Jesus Christ, bringing redemption and righteousness, renewing innocence and blessedness. But God has put the Word, capital W, the Word into the mouth of men in order that it may be communicated to other men. When one person is struck by the Word, he speaks it to others And God has willed that we should seek and find his living word in the witness of our friend, in the mouth of a person. Therefore, the Christian needs another Christian who speaks God's word to him. He needs him again and again when he becomes uncertain and discouraged, for by himself he cannot help himself. He needs his brother man as a bearer and a proclaimer of the divine word of salvation. He needs his brother solely because of Jesus Christ. Remember, he became incarnate. He lived life on life. He needs his brother just because of that powerful example that the Christ in his own heart. This is so good. The Christ in his own heart is weaker than the Christ in the word of his brother. How many times has that been true in your life? When God sent you just the right person at just the right time to speak what he had on his heart, and you had heard it before, you had thought about it before, but when it was in the word of your brother, somehow it became true enough for you to grab hold of it. It became a rope of rescue in your life. The other night at home team, we were just speaking the word to one another and something came up in our group that confirmed something that God was already speaking in someone else's heart and she broke into tears for the sake of realizing that God had spoken to her specifically through a friend that she might know who was speaking. This is what it means to be the body of Christ and to let the word of God richly dwell within us we don't sh- we're not shaped by the word just as individuals we're shaped by the word as a people we can take on the calling of who we are when we're in this kind of small group now this morning this morning you you're you're in a big crowd And you could look over at the person next to you, maybe even two seats away from you, and they could be moved to tears. You could be aware that they're being overcome by something. But in this kind of crowd where we stare at the back of each other's heads, it's just not really polite to get up from where you are, notice somebody across the room that's in trouble, and go pray for them. Maybe it ought to be. But in a small group where we're sharing each other's lives and we're, we're sharing each other's journeys, it's natural to just stop the conversation and pray for one another. Amen. Right then, right there, minister to the need. You're empowered to get up from where you are in your lazy boy and go over to the couch and lay a hand on somebody and encourage a brother at that point that their life is falling apart. You become the ballast of peace on the storm of their life in that moment. You let the Word of God richly dwell within you. When someone else is desperate to hear it and believe it, your certainty becomes that which certifies it for them. That's what it means to be the body of Christ with one another. And if we, as the body of Christ, or as individuals, are just going to church rather than being the church, I wonder how much the Word of God is really shaping us community becomes the context in which the word becomes alive in which we become mobilized as ministers where we start to minister to one another where we learn to love one another not just as conceptual people how many times have you read to love one another in the scripture and you say to yourself, well, yeah, I'm, I'm a pretty loving person. I mean, that's how I usually take that. Well, oh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a good guy. I care for people. I'm a pretty loving person. Until I'm in the presence of that person that drives me crazy. Where do people become real enough that you know them and you have to love them with something more than your own affinity for their personality? That's when love becomes real. That's when love becomes the body of Christ, being the body with one another. It says here that in whatever you do, not just hearing the word but doing the word together, whatever you do in word or deed, in logos or ergo, In word or in works, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus. That means you do it in his authority, yes, but that also means you do it in his essence. In other words, what you do becomes so flavored with Jesus Christ that whoever you touch leaves Jesus' fingerprint behind. His character, his love, his way, his gentleness. Becomes the wake that you leave in this world because he lives within you. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Giving thanks through him to God the Father. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful not only that you have a witness as an individual in this place, but you contribute to our witness as a whole. There's only so much a pastor can do or a church staff can do. But you outpace us all by the way you love one another, by the way you show up for one another. I've watched you at hospitals. I've watched you at funerals. I've watched you as you brought meals by to those who were struck with COVID. I've watched you reach out to one another again and again and again and again. You lift each other up in this place. You are being the body of Christ to one another. You notice a need and you don't just sh- shrug it off. as someone else's problem to deal with. We, ha- we have a witness, not just as an individual, but, but as, a, as a church. If I had a dime for all the times that I've heard from people, their first experience of walking in this place, over and over again. I don't think it's just because I'm the preacher. I mean, preachers don't get told this a lot. But in this place, because of y'all, before they ever hear a message, before they ever hear in worship, when they walk through the door, they sense a spirit about this fellowship. Something about it that's authentic and real. They sense something alive. and And that's not something just in each of us. That's something that's in the chemistry between each of us. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's, 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 it's a flavor of the, the nature of the relationships that have become seasoned with Christ, I think. That's my explanation. And, and with, without your fellowship to, to give that ring of truth, what we do here on Sunday is just a bunch of words. It's a bunch of stuff that's on a platform and stays on a platform until you eternalize it and internalize it and live it, right? We we have we have a witness not only as individuals but as as a group. In this city, you have a reputation for responding to need. I hope that never changes in this city you 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 have a reputation for being willing to do the right thing even when it's difficult to stand for what's right even when it's unpopular you have a witness william zidak was asked to to paint a a picture for a gallery and he had forgotten about the day of the the uh, the event where all the public was going to come in and see the art. and They called him at the last minute and said, if you finished the, the key piece that was going to be in the center of the gallery, we're counting on you for that, and we haven't heard from you. And, you know, he thought he'd get out of it. He thought he'd lie, you know. He, he knew. He looked around his art studio, and he saw the biggest canvas in there. He knew that would be too large for this particular exhibit. There's no way they could display it properly. And so he said, well, yeah, we're working on it, but do you realize it's such an such a size and they said oh that's wonderful we have changed the venue and we need it for that big hall in that space and he was caught so he goes home he gets in the studio he takes out this huge canvas and he starts trying to paint and he's trying to paint a picture of jesus and it's just all wrong every time he tries it it's just it's, it's not there it's horrible and finally he gets frustrated and he prays and he asked god to work through him and he throws his his paint one more time in frustration just picks up his brushes and throws them against the canvas and as he throws them against the canvas there's a, there's an image that pops in his mind and he sees what it is that he's supposed to paint and he starts running around the house and gathering up pictures from from newspapers and magazines face after face after face after face and and he paints this maybe you've seen this before in his image by William Zydak. Do you you see Jesus there? Now, if we go to the next slide, it's actually a group of people. Do you see the guy from India down in the left-hand side? I don't know. He looks like somebody from a Sinbad commercial. I'm not sure about that guy. Let's go back out again and then back in. There, there, he must have picked up a Gerber baby bottle yeah. somewhere. Do, do you see, see the Gerber baby? In the middle? Back out. Okay, I'm back in. Oh, up there, there's Jonas Salk up there in the hair. Guy that invented the penicillin, right? Whatever. Jonas Salk discovered it. And go back in. Oh, no, there's a group. You see Gandhi up there with his glasses on? And right under him is the Pope. And if you look off to the far right, Martin Luther King is in the chin. See it right there on the other side? Now this is the question. This is a question, does the world see you in the image of Jesus? Are you a dynamic part of his living body? incarnate in this world by the Spirit right now? Are you growing in that dynamic? Is it shaping you? And are you, as you're shaped, shaping the world around you? I wonder if you see yourself somewhere in the image of Christ. Because all y'all are the image that the world sees. All y'all. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I pray that your word would richly dwell within us and it would not just shape us as individuals leading our individual lives, but it would shape the culture of who we are, that we as a church might have impact, Lord Jesus, not just within these walls but beyond them as well. Lord, you place each member in the body just as it pleases you. And I thank you for each member of this body. They may thought they chose to come to this church. They may think that they chose to be a part of it. But the truth of the matter is, Lord, that you you have placed each member in the body just as it pleases you. And so, God, is this, if this is that place for us, we pray that you would so knit us together with one another that the Word of God would come alive among us, between us, and through us. Father, if you're, if you're calling us to be closer to one another, as difficult as that is sometimes, as sticky as that is, as scary as that is, Lord Jesus, help us not to miss out on what you have for us. Not just what you'll do through us, who we'll become. Father, help us to trust ourselves to your plan if we're feeling a little stagnant spiritually. Help us to dig in again help us to invest in one another help us to love one another and admonish one another and teach one another and sing with one another until until father you richly dwell within your our hearts until all that we do reflects you in this world thank you father that you chose 12 to be with you thank you that you've chosen hundreds and thousands and everyone within this room. Thank you for choosing us, Lord. Help us to trust you, to do your work among us. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I pray. Amen. Would you stand